In the first part of this two-part series, we wade through the purple haze of Jimi Hendrix's life, achievements, and mysteries surrounding his untimely death. And we're live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Phantom Jukebox. Welcome back. I'm Ty Lindsay. And I'm Joe Shannon. And we are two musicians that dive into the world of music, their myths, conspiracies, and bizarre music history. Uh, if you'd like to check out our back catalog, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Good Pods, really anywhere you listen to your podcasts. A lot of places. A lot of places. And on those places... You're generally able to rate and review. So please, if you could, if you could take the time. Uh, it really helps us out on our end. Um, it just kind of it pushes us forward in a lot yes. of places and eventually will offer, uh, offer us some bigger opportunities. Yes. Tell us what you like or, and if or you can also just give us some words of criticism if you want. Yeah, if you want to. I Honest criticism is always actually helpful. Yeah, I have. Uh, I think I've said before, I've had. I've had very honest people listen to the show and they give me some feedback that it's, it, it stings at first, but you know, it's like, you know what? Yeah. I really should stop doing that. And then yeah, you, know, you grow that much faster. No pain, no gain. You can also, if you don't want to, well, leave a review anyway, you don't have but, to hurt our but, feelings, but, but you can also just joke around with us on Twitter at phantom jukebox underscore and on Facebook at phantom jukebox and Instagram at phantom jukebox podcast. I mean, you don't have to go the full Gordon Ramsay, but you know, yeah, you know, maybe you could go British Gordon Ramsay because he's a lot nicer than on British programs than he is in a lot of American programs. Uh, or I was thinking like the uh, Gordon Ramsay on the kids shows where he's like <laughs> so loving and supportive, you know, <laughs> I just, oh man, what if he, what if he just like showed up to work and just, just, just had a day and then he just like unloads on those kids. <laughs> Just walks into the kitchen and like sees he something a PB and J. Like, like sees something burnt and he forgot what show he was on for a second yeah, and yeah. just starts going off and then looks behind him and it's just crying kids. And he's like, oh, I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Does the bread thing. What are you? An idiot sandwich. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Gordon Whamsey. Slaps a kid. That's what I want to see. Blow off some steam. Watch some Gordon Ramsay yelling at kids. Yelling at children. Just, just like sit back. Just, <sighs> I needed this. <laughs> uh, speaking of shouting, um, we give a quick shout out. <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, that's terrible. I just, yeah. Yeah. Slowly just, backing out of the room. Just snap crab your way out of a situation. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to do in awkward moments. <laughs> Uh, try the, you know, this one's for you at home. Uh, if you, to make this a conversation stick like really, really well, if you want somebody to remember, like maybe the last thing you said, say it. And then when you exit the room, instead of just kind of like opening the door and leaving, uh, like backwards, like uh, Zoidberg walk. Snap and point. Snap, yeah. Snap your fingers and like Zoidberg, so, uh, Zoidberg walk back to the door and like open it and then like keep going, not breaking eye contact until you're out of sight. Just, just continuing smile. to snap. Constant smile. Like, hey. And just keep going. 
and then round the <laughs> corner and then just keep walking away. And they will not forget the last thing. Oh you yeah. Said. Never. You might get fired from work. But they, I've done it at a work meeting. It works. They will remember to do those reports. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, you know, after this, go try that out. But, um, yeah, so we want to give some shout outs to like some really, really great podcasts that we're friends with. We love their shows. The super fan cast. Yes. Uh, they're a music podcast and they host live chats on Twitter spaces, I believe on Mondays, like Mondays at like five, I think. Man, we need to do that. We do. Some we need live there's, chats. There's a lot of live things I want to do. Yes. So many live things, but super fan casts are, they're already doing, they're already doing it. They're so, already there. So join up. They talk about music. Uh, you can talk to them directly. Um, I, I have tried to make one, I think for the past like three weeks and I keep missing it. <laughs> I apologize, bro. I, I swear I'm trying to get back on. Mondays are hard. Mondays are really kind of tough. Cause I get, you know, get off work at four and then like, I, yeah. you know, that's how I'm starting to dinner. I've already forgotten, but also, uh, another uh, great friend to the show and their show is really, really fun is the designated quizzers. Yes. Um, so they have like, so basically like they do this kind of like crazy, like was the, the, um, stream of consciousness way of like asking questions. It's not really a great way to, like, you know, it's kind yeah. of like it starts here, then they pick a word and it goes to somewhere else. And then like, they have this like really kind of crazy way of tying in a, a topic and then maybe some fun facts about it. Check the show out. You'll, you'll, you'll get it when you see it. It's kind of tough to explain, but the, uh, the hosts are great. Uh, they're fun people and they do a lot for the uh, podcasting community. They give yes. a lot of people shout outs. They've, you know, they've shouted out our show. Um, and uh, yeah, they're just really, really cool people. So go check out uh, super fan cast and designated. Christmas. Yeah. That's, that's the challenge. Go and find it, go and find our shout out. You got to <laughs> listen to just go back through the catalog and, until you hit our shout out. We'll never tell. We'll never tell. It's in there somewhere. <laughs> so uh, just quickly, uh, I'm proud of you, internet and everybody out there. Aww. So proud of you. You've, you've, you've made me so proud. Uh, <laughs> so Dakota, our producer put out a poll on, you know, some topics that you guys, uh, she, I think she put out like historical figures. Uh, she put out like, um, big moments, I think. And then she put out another one called weird stuff. And by a landslide, everybody asked for more weird stuff. Hell yeah. Yeah. And boy, are we the two to bring it to you. Let's get weird. <laughs> so you've done me proud. I, uh, weird. I, so we will still have historical figures and stuff like that. But, uh, uh, we were looking at this immediately after that one. I was like, okay, there's some cults I want to do now. Uh, there's, uh, <laughs> This weird uh you've unlocked the door you yes you've you've justified me pushing the door open and then just kicking the door open to like yes we've only let we've only announced what slipped through the cracks before mm-hmm. but now we've just opened the barn door to what and weird we've thrown away inside. the key so yes be be looking forward to i mean there's one about like ancient monks and using sound to move things. I'm so excited. That is hell. Yeah. I'm going to have to get a subscription to this bullshit uh, <laughs> TV service to watch this documentary. I want to on it, but I'm so excited. <laughs> um, and um, the last thing, so we got some announcements towards the end of the show. Um, 
like some announcements towards the end of the show. I'm not going to get into uh, all of it right now, but um, we did it, everybody. We hit a thousand downloads. We're actually over a thousand downloads as we speak right now. Oh, thank you so much. That is really, awesome. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for sharing with your friends. We are, uh, yeah, we're at thousand fourteen right now. Oh, nice. So we are. Nice. We're doing nice. So we're getting we're, up there. We're getting up there. Um, that's gonna make it like a, oh my my knees hurt when it rains. <laughs> um. <laughs> So we actually, we're going to have a giveaway and I'm going to tell you about that at the end of the show. Yes. So stick around. And um, yeah, so I think now, now it's about, you know, we're going to save the, the bigger announcements for the end of the show, but we need to get into this one because boy, howdy, do we have. Boy, howdy. I was about to say the boy, exact howdy. same thing. Boy, howdy. Let's get into boy, it. Boy, howdy. I can't do Matthew McConaughey. Um, this is a two-parter on Jimi Hendrix's life, the mysteries behind his death. And uh, mysteries about maybe why he might have died. Oh, there's some conspiracies afoot. Uh, in this first part, so this will be a two-parter. In this first part, um, we're gonna get into, um, you know, we're gonna learn about him, you know, his achievements, you know, quick bio. Yes. Uh, we are going to go into his last day. I've got a pretty detailed like his last like night alive. Wow. Going to break through that. Talk about, um, you know, what happened after they found him uh, and uh, some some stuff that's happening with like the estate. I want to talk about. And then in the second episode, we're going to get into like full conspiracy city. Hell yeah. Uh, just to just to wrap this up, because there, there was so much it was too much to put into one episode. Jimi Hendrix deserves a two parter. Yes. God damn it. Yeah. So that's what we did. Uh, and on that, finally just getting started, Joe, how much do you know about the life of Jimi Hendrix and or conspiracies about him? Well, the biggest, the only conspiracy I know about him, and I'm saying conspiracy because I don't know if it was verified or true or not, is did he put like LSD on his bandana and cut his forehead? That's what, that's the only one that I know of. That's what I had heard. A rumor, if you will. I know he took LSD. I did not hear anything about that specific scenario. Yeah. So it was I like, I don't think live. he was trying to hide it. I think he just took LSD. Okay. Well, I mean, if that's the case, understandable because boy, howdy, does he think of his, the music that he has written with without it there's a lot of bands that i'm like there's no way anyone would have thought of that sober there's no way mastodon uh yeah i mean a lot of pink floyd oh there's, Pink floyd kings of acid yeah yeah there's so, no way that's the only thing i know about Jimi hendrix as far as conspiracies are concerned i do love me listen to some Jimi hendrix i mean him and uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, I'll just get a kick and just binge listen to both of them. Just show up in like a very elaborate cowboy hat with like feathers and bows and stuff. <laughs> yeah. It really could be either one. They both had a very similar fashion. Sense. When you wrap the uh, psychedelic bandana around the cowboy hat, that's how you know you mean business. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best way to take LSD is absorbing it through a wound in the forehead. <laughs> yeah. I always thought that's what happened, what he was doing. I think that was, was the rumor. 
I, I think he just straight up, he just took LSD. Like, I don't, there was, yeah, no, because I, I think when you, I'm not, from what I'm to understand from stories I've heard, you just, you take it and then it hits you. It's not oh. something you just, it's not like beer where it, like you, you get more of like an immediate, like the more you take the, you know, the higher you get per se. LSD is like, you take a bit of it and it's like, you don't think anything's happening. And then all of a sudden Optimus Prime shows up in your room. <laughs> the walls start telling you you should probably go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's voices in my head and they're not funny. I, I always thought that uh, all along the watchtower was written by Jimi Hendrix, but apparently oh. that's Eric Clapton. Yeah. I thought it was um, on the watchtower was, um, Oh, I hate him. Uh, Dylan. That was Bob Dylan. Oh yeah, you're right. I will have to verify that. I'm pretty sure it was Bob Dylan. Yeah. It was um, just, I, I saw this uh, news article one time about like, orig- like covers of songs that you thought were the originals and uh, both, both Eric Clapton and Bob Dylan were in the originals category for some songs. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I believe it is Bob Dylan. He does a great cover of it. Which, whichever one it was, uh, they are quoted to say after watching Jimi Hendrix play it. They're like, yeah, I know it's his song now. Yeah, I think we talked about that with, um, oh man, what, 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 were we talking, what episode was that? Because uh, we were talking about Johnny Cash and Hurt. Oh, the Dolly Parton episode. Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and they were just like, yeah, they just acknowledged the fact that uh, you you just had a master. One, it's the, the honor of having somebody oh, you admire 100%. like that uh, cover your song and do it so well. Because, you know, like some people produce like bullshit versions of songs just to have like, you know, just to do it. But Johnny Cash put some effort into that. Like, the, the yeah, just that whole. I feel like Nine Inch Nails cool. would then play the song if i were nine inch nails i would then play the song the johnny cash version live like I would, as I nine think, inch nails i think it sounds better yeah. like on acoustic like the like the way those dissonant chords are yeah yeah i think it sounds better on acoustic guitar to be honest the, the electric versions the real version original version is cool but the uh acoustic guitars on that song is just it's perfect yeah 100 percent. it's so personal the yeah. song is so personal especially with his older voice but and what it, you know and then he lost june right before oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, or at least during, I think he'd lost June re- during recording or something like that. But um, so Jimi Hendrix was born Johnny Allen Hendrix. Uh, he's an American singer songwriter from Seattle, Washington. He was born November 27th, 1942. And he passed on September 18th, 1970 at 27. So he was just a few months shy of his 28th birthday. And so I, that is something that I do know about Jimi Hendrix is that he was part of the 27 club. club. The 27 club is certainly going to be an episode we cover. And there yeah. are so many more people on it than I thought. Oh yeah. I look, I just, I, I checked that list cause I thought I was going to include it in here. No, there's way too many to get into. It's oh. like, it's not just Jim Morrison and uh, Jim Morrison and Joplin and all those people. No, there's like, there's people up to 2020. Really? Yeah. Amy Winehouse, they like was the, Probably the most famous person of most recent years to make it in. Uh, but she's certainly not the last one. She's just like the most newsworthy, I guess, at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, 27 Club. Crazy. We're going to get into that. Um, but the just how much he accomplished, and he wasn't, he was, 
I'm older than Jimi Hendrix, you know? Wow. Like he's, he died at 27 and he did so much in such a short amount of time as we're about to find out. Okay. Yeah. I'm really interested in like when, what age he got famous. Uh, and actually the window of time that he was famous is so short. Really? Very short. The, the all the Hendrix hype that were is generated that as you know, once he was known as Jimmy, he was it's not he didn't uh well we'll get into it. We'll get into it. So we'll come to that naturally. Um Jimmy's father actually had a really cool oh, Jimmy Hendrix, or I'm just gonna say Hendrix's father, because I don't I don't know I don't know Jimmy. <laughs> Hendrix's <laughs> father uh had a cool quote about him and he said just talking about uh how much you know music had an effect on him on Jimmy. He said uh I used to have Jimmy clean up a room all the time when I was gone. And when I would come home, I would find uh, a lot of broom straws around the foot of the bed. And I'd say to him, didn't I, well, didn't I tell you to clean the floor? And he'd say, Oh yeah, he did. But I found out later that he was, he was sitting on the bed at the end of the bed. Uh, he was sitting at the end of the bed and strumming the broom like he was playing a guitar. Uh-huh. like this little kid, just like, you know, just air guitaring it basically. And, uh, at one point, uh, there's a couple different stories of how he got it. Uh, but Jimmy eventually would, uh, and I'm just gonna say Jimmy, why not? Uh, Jimmy would eventually get a, uh, ukulele with one string on it and he learned to play Elvis's hound dog. Oh, wow. He, he did other songs, but like, he really liked Elvis's hound dog. Uh, and, and he, this is also back in the time when like, you couldn't like just Google the tabs. No, no this is record. Put the needle down, listen to hound dog, pick the needle up. String it back to the beginning of the record. Drop the needle down. Exactly. Listen to it. Real dedication. Yeah. Um, not that there isn't dedication now, but I mean, like, there's no rewind button. You're right. You're 100 right. There's no. There's no cassettes. You know, even yeah. it's records. This is the late 40s, 50s. Hell yeah. Um, he was he was never really able to read or write music as we, as like classical music. When you think of musical notes on staffs, he couldn't do that. Okay. Uh, he couldn't read it either. But I mean, I can't really either. As There's a, a lot of famous musicians that can't. No, it's kind of a dying thing. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to, it would, it, it's something like I keep telling myself I need to learn. Um, but you just, I'm capable of writing riffs without it. And then you have tabs, which is like the cheat codes. Yeah. And I feel like it's very much the punk grunge rock thing to like, I don't know a lot of, I feel like out of all the genres. Yeah. Those are probably going to be the most people that are famous and don't know how to do tabs or anything like that. Yeah. Real, real right. famous people. Like, um, I'm sure, um, uh, blanking on his name at the moment, uh, Robert Johnson, uh, I severely doubt oh. he could read music. Really? Could, could, oh. could not. Yeah, no, no, could no. not. I mean, it is from the, not really being able to afford lessons one. And then two, it's just like, I'm just going to play it till it sounds good. I was thinking Eric Johnson. Oh no, Eric and Johnson! I was like, I don't know. He probably can read music. He probably does. He does shit in fives, and it hurts my brain to think about. His hands look like they're in constant arthritis. I don't know how he can move that fast. Even when he was younger, his hands looked gross. Yeah, he had a vein that just stretched all the way across. Very veiny, very bony. Uh, if we're done with talking about uh, Eric uh, Johnson, uh, Clips of Dover, uh, yeah. the live uh, something Texas lights uh austin city limits any of the lives well the austin city limits is the, the famous same. one okay yeah. cascades you know usually like ingve malmstein for example neoclassical cascades and fours 
He does it in fives. That's and it, and he and he's still playing four four. So he's subdividing five. No, he has to like double it to land on the set. It's hard to imagine. It's it hurts my brain, and I've tried to do it. It does, and I'm not good at it. I feel like a lot of jazz players can read music. A lot of a lot of modern ones for sure. Yeah, yeah. You got your like classic jazz guys who just really don't give a shit. Uh, they just went on to play music, and then you've got your more modern, like educated, you know. You get, yeah, I think more modern jazz guys would probably know more about it because they'll tell you like that. Well, this is a, this is an E flat suspended nine over a half moon blood crescent. Yeah, you know? <laughs> um, like a and that's jazz and that's jazz. <laughs> that, all that jazz. Yeah, yeah. So your more modern guys probably do. Um, a lot of your more modern like prog rock guys. Oh yeah. Uh, prog math metal, metal. Dude, math metal is all theory. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's not interesting in math metal if it's not complicated. <laughs> in some God, like this song was written by an algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Jimi Hendrix, he didn't know Jimmy, how to read Jimmy music. Hendrix, he don't read. No, no. Jimi Hendrix, uh, he he just he sounded things out. And I and the funny thing is, is he probably was playing scales for the most part. A lot of pentatonic stuff. But he didn't know what to call it. I mean, also understandable for anyone just that couldn't afford going to school. Yeah. Like the guitar class, you know, to afford to learn an instrument from a professional. Because I bet anyone that did is playing like the classical stuff. Yeah. But um, he would wind up playing like a lot of like we would call pentatonic stuff, a lot of classic blues stuff and making his own versions of it by all means. But the guitar is guitar like western guitar is written to fit yeah. the scale so really no matter what you're doing it's theory to some degree uh, yeah, and he true. was definitely a big pentatonic guy he had his own versions of it but it was definitely hell yeah uh, you and me too brother yeah um he was his his mainstream career so his career as well first he played with it like he played longer in the music scene like you know from like his team you know teens growing up um he would play like he was i think he was a backing guitarist for the isley brothers little richard curtis knight and the squires like he cut his teeth like on the road and he was a session guy and it's not like he was only famous for four years but the hendrix you see and the one you're thinking of right now that that hendrix lasted four years wow four years yeah that's incredibly short everything he did that we remember him for happened in the span of four years. I mean, like, just think about that. All those videos and clips you've seen, except for when anything with him with like the frilly stuff and the blouses and the, the shirts, that's Jimi Hendrix. And if he's wearing a suit, he's playing with like little Richard or somebody. And thinking back to that, back then you don't have YouTube and TikTok and everything else to make you, Super, like you can go from like being on TikTok to playing a stadium in a year. You know if, what I mean? If everything lines up for you. Yeah. 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 If you hit that mark and you get popular on these apps and everything else like that, you can go from, yeah, being a nobody and someone likes your song and then you're playing in stadiums the next year. Yeah. But that's got to be so much harder for someone back then. Oh, yeah. Because all of it's word of mouth. But he, yeah. I mean, luckily for him, 
not luckily for him, he earned it. Um, he wound up playing in the Isley brothers, little Richard is huge names. I'm not as familiar with Curt- uh, Curtis Knight and the Squires, but they're, they're uh, more of a British thing. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, little Richard, I mean, but that is just talking about the significance of how good he was yeah. and popular that he got to what we know in a, such a short amount of time. Yeah. And it was less of a, like his situation kind of helped him out because they called him like acid blues and stuff like that, which he never called it that. Um, uh, it was just, you know, he was really, he was part of like the psychedelic stuff, but he was, he really experimented with, uh, you know, a lot of people might've been, um, they throw in like cream, the band a lot, like Eric Clapton's early band. Um, they throw in like that band a lot, but you know, their band, Eric Clapton mostly has a clean tone Yeah, you know, bands around like the Beatles, even like the Rolling Stones for the most part in this era, especially had like a clean guitar tone. That was like the really popular thing. Yeah. Hendrix was like, fuck that. He like cranked the gain up, put an octave or fuzz on there or like it was the equivalent of an octave, some kind of octave thing. But he wanted the he wanted the fuzz. I always thought that they didn't have those type of pedals or anything. It was so it's not what we would consider an octave or now. It's it's his it, rudimentary versions of it. I don't know exactly like you know, he had like a wah pedal and stuff like that. But he he figured out some kind of combination to give him like an overdriven sound. Because his yeah. sound is pretty gritty if you think about the era he's coming out of. Um like yeah, it's it's pretty gritty like it's but it's uh that having that kind of unique sound a lot of people were like at first like oh i'm not so sure about this it's not this like sparkly clean guitar tone yeah. that we're used to but eventually like the the hippie movement and like the kind of free thinking like stick outside the box mentality it was the right time to try to experiment oh yeah it it, it inspired so much oh musically he, I am not the biggest Hendrix fan. Oh, I just, I've never really followed his catalog. I have nothing against him. I've just not really followed his catalog. But you ask, I mean, like you, you, know, you love Hendrix. You ask a lot of musicians, especially yeah. like rock musicians, and Hendrix will come up in the top 10. Oh, yeah. Easy. Um, so he kind of did that stuff in like the uh, late 50s, 60s-ish for like Isley Brothers and stuff. But then he moved to England in uh, 1966 after... Uh, Chaz Chandler uh, of the animals became his manager. He was the, he was the bassist of the animals Um, became his manager. And then um, Hendrix had three UK top, you know, so he started becoming Hendrix. Yeah. Um, So he had uh, three top 10 UK hits with the Jimi Hendrix experience, which is Hey Joe, Purple Haze and the wind cries Mary. Like his big three in the UK. Wow. In 67, he achieved fame in the US after his performance at the Monterey Pop Festival. Um, so let's see where we're at here. Sorry. Um, yeah, so six we're we're it's so sad that he's he's almost gone already in like 66. Like he was he was just getting that wow. momentum. Um, and I think maybe it was in at that point, like Britain was a little more accepting of like the kind of craziness of his getup. Cause he was doing the blouse thing, the hat with the feathers. Like yeah. his stage setup is his get up is dope. Um, the fame of these songs would kind of come to haunt him though later mm-hmm. on. 
uh, in 67, uh, Monterey Pop Festival. And in 68, his third and final studio album, 68, like his final, that's crazy. In 68, um, he released Electric Ladyland, which reached number one in the U.S. Uh, they, call, they consider it a double LP, and it was his most commercially successful release. Wow. Um, and uh, that's what I was going to get at. Um, all this, by the way, super condensed because we're not really, I just kind of wanted to blow through like his life real quick. And there's so much that happens in those four years. You could dedicate an entire show to it. And yeah. I don't, and I want to get to um, some stuff later on. So the, there's so much more. I highly encourage you to dig into the life of Jimi Hendrix. Um, this I is do actually have a, uh, a little fun fact right. that I, I do know because I did look it up and it is true. Um, apparently so many people thought that in uh, purple haze, when he says, excuse me while I kiss the sky that, that he was saying, kiss this guy. Yes. I've heard that. And that he actually, for one, it got back to him and he heard that rumor and he actually sang that lyric on a live show and it was caught on camera. And he's looking back at the drummer while he says, excuse me while I kiss this guy. Oh, he didn't give a shit. <laughs> That's one of the things we're going to find out about Jimmy. Um, You'll find out if you really get into his life. He didn't give a fuck. Um, and Good he, for him. Really? Yeah. Cause he, he had some interviews I read there. He's talks about like, he doesn't, um, if you know, piece of people ask him like, what do you think when people tell you this and that? And he's like, I don't think about it. He's like, you can't, or he just weighs you down. Yeah. Like you just got, he's like basically just saying, you got to keep doing what you do. And then, uh, uh, if you truly like what you do, this isn't a quote. It's just kind of paraphrasing here. Yeah. Um, he said, you gotta keep doing what you like doing as long as you like doing it, which, uh, is actually kind of foreshadowing. Mm. Yeah. I guess it's his life gets, this gets sad. I knew it was bad how he died. It gets fucking sad. Like what happens to him and then what happens after. Oh. Um, it's yeah. A little foreshadowing there. Um, but just to, to kind of, get through the let's get you know his achievements the greatness of Hendrix. okay yes yes 1969 he was uh one of the articles i read regarded him as the world's highest paid performer wow uh there's a quote that was though jimmy was now the highest paid rock musician in the world um he'd made fourteen thousand dollars a minute for his uh may 18th 1969 madison square garden concert uh so in 1969, he headlined the Woodstock Festival. 1970, he headlined the Isle of Wight Festival, of White Festival, W-I-G-H-T. Um, Jimi Hendrix only released four official studio albums during his lifetime. Uh, they, they have currently, altogether, so no specifics, but altogether have sold over 30 million copies. Wow. Uh, those albums are Are You Experienced in 67, Axis Bold as Love in 67, Electric Ladyland in 68 and as Jimi Hendrix and the Band of Gypsies, which was going to be his newer project. Yeah. And 1970. Wow. Uh, we're going to talk about Band of Gypsies a little bit coming up. Uh, basically like Band of Gypsies is kind of like what he wanted to head towards. Okay. So um, now I kind of want to get into, but we're going to get into like his last day. But before I get into that, I wanted to set up some context about, towards the end of his career where he was at with the music industry. Like he was kind of 
um, he kind of got a lot of bad deals basically like with his contract and stuff. So it's, it's that Beatles thing all over again. Um, so we've got a lot to cover here in this section and further on. So, uh, again, there's so much more to this and I'm summarizing it because there's a lot, there's so much. Wow. But long story short, bad management. Like he had, uh, I mean, he released two albums in one year, as you saw or heard. And, uh, he kept getting screwed over. Like he got in contracts he couldn't get out of. And the kind of ones where it's like, uh, they would take all of his money and give him an allowance. Jeez. Yeah. It's one of those kind of deals. It's, it was a shit deal. Like people would go to court in modern day over it. Well, it would happen in modern day because hopefully you'd have a lawyer that would be like, nah, bro, I don't think you should sign that. Yeah, I think even trying to make it on your own is better than having some greedy bastard give you an allowance for all the money you made. Jeez. Yeah, I don't I don't have all the specifics of that. I just know like that's that was his situation it was very, very bad. Yeah. Um, and going back to talking about his uh, his classic songs, for example, Foxy Lady, he kind of got typecast as the Foxy Lady guy. Not oh, really? like not like um, Warrant and Cherry Pie. But because uh, people, he, he, I mean, you looked at him and went, this guy's got more songs in him than Foxy Lady. The problem is, is we want all those songs to sound like Foxy Lady. Oh, uh, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's, we know that works. So do that again. And Jimi Hendrix being the guy like, um, you know, we're going to, there's an interview that talks about um, how Hendrix wanted to take time off and from, cause he was relentless touring in those years. Uh, like to the like crazy amount of like inhuman amounts of touring. Wow. Like, I don't give a fuck about you and your family. He didn't have like kids or anything, but I don't give a fuck about you and your family. You're going to tour. You're going to do so many shows probably a day. And you're going to give me so many shows in a year. And it's over a hundred or something like that. It's a lot. Like think of like the craziest touring you've seen a band do and like double it. Wow. A lot. And in the U S and in the UK. Like he had a UK manager and a US manager, and they both tried to fuck him over all the time. Jeez. Yeah, it was it was ridiculous. It was one of those deals. He was just a guy like didn't know any better. He just he just wants to make art. And it's like, why don't you handle the art? We'll handle the money. We're the money people. Yeah. And then like, meanwhile, they are they are sucking him dry. Like just just criminal things they did to this guy of this schedule. It's stories like this that constantly just make me not trust like accountants because I'm always worried about like, oh, yeah, dude, I'm constantly thinking about like, well, what if I win the million? Well, then who would I hire? As I, I, I actually know who I would. Or yeah, I know who I would ask to like help me out with it. Um, It's a that's a big like a lot of trust into that. It's like, OK, millions. Yeah. What are we doing with it? Yeah, no, actually I was watching uh kind of going we were talking about Steve Harvey in the uh the uh uh Stevie Wonder episode. Yeah. Uh he's so funny and he's so inspirational. Like he's got he's got a quote I got saved on my phone. It really kind of helped me out. And it was about uh doing what you're doing what you're kind of like naturally inclined and like good at. And he's like, if yeah. you do like it was some of this guy that like cut hair. And this dude cut hair, didn't go to like, you know, he went to school, got his, you know, and he's like, if in this dude cut hair and he cut hair for him, and he's like, This guy made I paid this guy super good to go on tour with me. Like he made a lot of money cutting hair to Steve Harvey's hair. And he's like, when I went, when I 
Steve Harvey's bald now. And he's like, when I was losing my hair, like he switched to like, you know, uh, he made such a career out of like, you know, just dedicating himself to what he was good at. Like, yeah. You know, cutting his hair. So that led to cutting celebrities hair, which led to him owning like so many salons and like a barbershop school. Wow. Uh, and he's like, the guy is like cutting hair and he makes $6 million a year. He's like, you have to focus. <laughs> it's like, he, and he's like, it's not like he didn't work for it. He's like, but he did what he's good at and knew he did what he was good at and what he liked. And he's like, basically it's like, you do what you're good at and eventually it'll make room for you. Yeah. It's incredible. Like his, I could listen. He should, he, I think he does write motivational tapes and debating on listening to him. Uh, Cause he's like, he seems like approachable, like, but he's not yeah. like, He's he's inspirational without being culty, because there's a lot of people, especially places I've worked, a little dicey with the inspirational speakers. Yeah, I always look at them with an ulterior like you're weird. If you want to continue feeling better, please subscribe <laughs> yes. to our platinum membership. Yes, that's exactly a hundred percent. But uh, Steve Harvey was talking about how he had an accountant that, like, I guess the guy died. The accountant died, oh. and then he found out the guy was stealing money for him for seven years. Jeez. He's like, I owe $22 million because he was stealing the tax money. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude, it was bad. That. But uh, this is just blatant. Like, oh. uh, So basically, I think what happened with Jimi Hendrix's situation is he was an artist, and he wanted to focus on art and performing, but he didn't probably know too much of the business side when he got started. I mean, he... He probably knew a little bit, but not as much as this, you know, as his managers. Yeah. And they probably like waited until like they basically owned him. And then they kept reminding him of like his place. Basically. I'm sure there was a lot of power. Like you can't leave. Cause I got this figured out kind of thing. you got wow, a contract. Yeah. You will have nothing if you leave like scare tactics and stuff. Yeah. Cause this guy sounds like a monster. Um, so the quote about Jimi Hendrix, um, you know, and what he wanted to do, uh, musician, Jum, pardon me, Juma Sultan, J-U-M-A Sultan, uh, who performed with Hendrix said that he wanted to create a new type of music. Uh, he wanted to take, t- uh, this is a quote, Jimmy wanted to take time off maybe a year or so and develop his sound. He was hearing symphonies in his head and he could never get, he never get to it because they wanted him to, uh, they had him locked into Hey Joe and Foxy Lady. Wow. So more of like the, we, we like this, so you do that. Um, so kind of the last couple of things in this section. Um, so he was trying to figure out how to get rid of his manager, Mike Jeffrey. Like he was, he, he had talked to some friends about like, I'm going to, I'm going to find somebody else. This guy's, he's killing me with the schedules, like yeah. playing the concert halls and stuff. Um, Jimi Hendrix, when he formed a band of gypsies, he was uh, actually ob- like obligated to make another record. And he was trying to write a record as the band of gypsies. Okay. But, uh, Jeffrey intentionally did everything he could to undermine the new sound. Oh, wow. So he would like mess up TV performances or like just fuck up the show in some way to get them bad publicity so that he would go back to what he was quote unquote good at. That's fucked up. It's really fucked up. Uh, guy just wanted to write new stuff and like you get tastes of it in uh, other recordings and like some, some other tracks we find later on. But um, yeah, he wanted to write more like groove based stuff. Like he had a whole other catalog he wanted to come out with. Dang. Yeah. Just, and I think it would have been good too. It's sure. one of those things where like if, 
if that was the only thing that was different about his life, like if he had different managers and, you know, lived the right people longer, in his life, like Elvis. Yeah, exactly. Like I wish I could listen to what he would have written. Right. You know, uh, there's an interview he gave when he was playing in Sweden two weeks before he died. Uh, quote, this is Hendrix. I'm not sure I will live to 28 years old. I mean, the moment I feel I have nothing more to give musically, I will not be around on the planet anymore unless I have a wife and children. Otherwise, I've got nothing to live for. Wow. Um, that's not the first time we'll get kind of like a premonition-ish kind of thing from Jimi Hendrix about maybe sort of kind of predicting his own death. Yeah. Um, there's, that's a lot more in part two. But there's a, there's a song he wrote that straight up sounds like he's predicting his own death and the inspiration behind Purple Haze oh, uh, kind of ties into like what might happen to him in the future. Wow. Yeah. So that we're going to have that uh, tied in the conspiracy episode in part two. Okay. So now I want to get into Hendrix's last day. I kind of put a couple different sites together on this one to try to get like a decent, more or less straightforward account. There are more fine, fine details in here, but this is more or less like as much as I could streamline it. And it's still quite a bit. So, uh, I'll go through this. Okay. So this is his last day alive. Uh, well, more or less like towards the end of the day, the last night into the last morning that he was alive. Uh, so Jimi Hendrix spent the, uh, uh, so he was at, he was smoking, smoking wine. He was drinking wine and smoking his sheesh. Hesh, Hashish, thank you. Yeah. Uh, with his girlfriend Monica Dainerman. Uh, Monica, D A N N, Dainerman. Sorry, I think when I say Dainerman, I think it's Dainerman. D A N N E M A N N. Yeah, one of those. One of those. Um, the pair left their London apartment in uh, Samarkand Hotel in Notting Hill, uh, London. Uh, to attend a party hosted by the singers business associates uh, that he kind of felt obligated to go to. Um, Yeah. So originally he wanted to stay in uh, because he was drinking and stuff, but then like he found out about this party and he's like, I probably need to go to safe face, you know, just just to be their business people. It would be good for you to show up. Good. Yeah. Uh, That happens all the time. And he was at the party and he returned to, he returned at 3 a.m. Uh, he, after that party, um, he was, uh, he was unwinding, you know, they had dinner and, uh, at one point in the evening, Hendrix made a phone call to discuss getting out of his late his relationship with manager, Mike Jeffries. There's only two people in the apartment. It's him and Dana. Okay. So some of this comes from her testimony. Uh, but he was talking about getting rid of Jeffrey and he had mentioned that before, like I'm done with this dude. I'm tired of playing all these like shitty halls. I'm tired of him fucking over my music. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I, I want to get away from this dude. He's, he's a succubus. So, uh, ooh, I had double information. I apologize. Oh, so this is more information when he was at the party. So backtrack a little bit. So, um, at the party, he took at least one amp, <laughs> amphetamine tablet known as a black bomber after Daneman drove him to the party. He's at the party and he's already like taken like amphetamine. Okay. So, okay. Hard to get out of order here. I thought I'd clean my notes up. Um, so at the party, they argue 
uh, Damon wanted to speak with him. And then they like uh, went off to the side. We don't know what they were arguing about, but eventually they leave the party at like 3 a.m. So he gets, you know, he's at home, wants to chill. Yeah. Finds out there's a party. He should go to save face. He takes an amphetamine, I guess, to wake up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Goes to the party. She's mad at him. They have kind of an argument and they leave the party around 1 a.m. Okay. So uh, they get back home. Hendrix wants to go to sleep, but he's still high on the amphetamine. Oh. So he is wide awake from that. And Daneman claimed that he asked if he could take some of her sleeping pills, which she refused. And uh, by the time 6 a.m. came around, she took one herself to go to sleep. So Daneman claimed she woke up uh, four hours later and Hendrix was sound asleep with no signs of distress. Okay. All right. Uh, you had to go to bed at six in the morning. Yeah. Uh, Damon left the apartment to go buy some cigarettes. And upon her return, uh, Hendricks was now unconscious, but still alive. And she was unable to wake him. So she called the paramedics. Huh. The emergency services arrived at the Notting Hill residence around 1127. Uh, and by the time I have this phrase this way, cause it's, he was kind of dead when they got there. They, by the time the paramedics were tending to Hendrix's corpse, Damon wasn't in sight. She wasn't in the apartment. Oh. So what they found was that the singer's airway was fully clogged and completely closed all the way down to his lungs, like vomit. Oh. So he, he suffocated uh, as it reported. Uh, it appeared he'd been dead for some time. Uh, Hendricks was transported to St. Mary Abbott's Hospital in uh, Kinnison, oh, or Kensington, sorry, where attempts to save his life failed. Uh, Dr. Martin Seifert said he was cold and blue on admission. Uh, he was obviously dead. And he had no pulse, no heartbeat, and the attempt to resuscitate him was, a for, was merely a formality. So they, wow. they, they, had, they, they tried because he was there, but he was obviously dead. Cold dead. So not looking good. I already have conspiracy theories of my own. Oh, part two, baby. Part two. So officially, uh, the uh, Hendrick's death was that he uh, aspirated on his own vomit and died of asphyxia while intoxicated on barbiturates. B-A-R-B-I-T-U-R-A-T-E-S. Barbiturates, I think that's the word. Yeah. Uh, at the uh, the coroner, finding no evidence of a suicide and lacking sufficient evidence of uh, other circumstances, recorded it as an open verdict. Huh. So nobody really knows if it was a murder, if he did it to himself. Was it a freak accident? Nobody really knows about one of the most famous people in the world at the time. I don't know if it's possible to make yourself choke like that. So I don't think it, I think ruling suicide out is completely possible. We well, are on the right track because I do, we are going to get into the autopsy because that, Oh, like it's your, a freakish, just your natural instinct. Like, you know, like you could easily like bite through your finger. Your jaw has enough force, but your just brain stops you. 
you know? Yeah. That's what pain's for. Yeah. And I don't think, especially with vomit that you could one keep vomiting that much on purpose. Uh And even if you did not cough it up, if you were awake and you know, like, I don't think that's a like asphyxiation with vomit. (laughs) I don't think is even a possibility of suicide. You know, I don't think that's, I love how you are so on point with a lot of your assessments. Yeah. Uh, just based on that it was just like a, a, a spark notes of what happened. Uh, and there, there's, you know, there's finer details obviously, but uh, we're going to get into some, uh, some issues uh, with that story and Dataman in particular. Oh, in part two, we'll get into a lot of issues I'm having with Dataman. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I already got plenty of opinions made up so but far. You, but you're very much on point with how, well, how crazy him dying like that is. Yeah. So Hendrix was pronounced dead at 1245 AM. And the autopsy concluded that Hendrix's death was caused by asphyxiation by his own vomit, which... Uh, contained some of the same red wine that he had shared with his girlfriend the night before. That's not super weird until we find out that he had enough wine to fill his lungs and stomach. Huh. There was, they said, an obscene amount of red wine in his system. Uh, But not uh, in his bloodstream. Oh. So it was taken very quickly. Or even maybe after he died. Um, they didn't get into that. But what they said was he, uh, John Bannister, who was the on-call registrar at the time, uh, said that we worked on him for about an, uh, a half an hour, but there was, not, there was not a breath. His esophagus was full of wine. There was wine everywhere. Not only was it saturated right through his hair and shirt, but it was but his lungs and stomach were absolutely full of wine. We kept sucking it out of him and it kept surging. He had only, uh, he had really drowned in a massive amount of red wine, according to the autopsy report. Yeah. And there's little, little of that was in his bloodstream. That doesn't even sound like, I don't vomit. It, it just sounds like he drowned in wine. Yeah. Like it just filled up to the point it was coming out of his esophagus. I suppose that's, ga- that's a lot of wine. God, if somebody can drink two bottles of wine, how many, how much wine is that? I, I've, can I've, you drink and hold two bottles? Of, I think you can drink and hold two I, bottles of wine. I've drank one in a sitting before, well, multiple times, but I mean, I'm like pissing constantly throughout oh, you the would event, be. you know, but if you held it, could you hold two bottles of wine? I don't know. I might explode. Not definitely not two. They said, it was basically what was happening with his lungs and his stomach was more like he was waterboarded with wine. It's what it well, is. What is it, that would be more, more plausible of how that happened than him drinking that much. Well, this just confirms my uh, conspiracy theory already. Well, I think I know where you're going with that, but there's a line. So well, there's a short queue, but there's a queue of people. Um, uh, so a lot of people, some people, a lot. Of, so immediately this goes to troubled artist suicide is kind of like the fastest 
and easiest one, like the public kind of accepts of like what happened to him. Uh, of all people, uh, and possibly one of our biggest suspects in chapter two, in part two, uh, Michael Jeffrey, meanwhile, is avid that uh, didn't commit suicide. He oh. rejected the suicide narrative. He's like, there's no way. No, it was me. No. Um, <laughs> he, he wholeheartedly rejected it. And quote, uh, this is Jeffrey's. I don't believe it was suicide, he said. Uh, I don't believe Jimi Hendrix left Eric Burden his legacy for him to carry on. Jimi Hendrix was very a very unique individual. I've been going through a whole stack of papers, poems, and songs that Jimi had written, and I could show you 20 of them that could be interpreted as a suicide note. A lot of the suicide theory comes from this uh, kind of poem he left, Daneman. And it's kind of like, in short, it's about how like life is gone in the blink of an eye. And oh. if, you, if you take that with him dying immediately afterwards, because it was found on his bedside. If you take that out of context, um, it sounds like a suicide note kind of thing. But like, yeah. I guess I suppose if he wouldn't die, you'd just go, oh, that's a really sad sentiment. But him dying right afterwards kind of like adds this whole different spin to what that could totally be. Yeah. Especially if you have someone that just writes poetry like that. Yeah. Or just like letters and poetry in, in general, but that have that like general feel. And then, yeah, after you murder them, then you could just grab one of those and just put it on the bedside and well, bam. It's a suicide. Well, bam. Hot dog. Hot dog. So this is kind of like, this is all stuff that definitely happened. Like he definitely died. How specifically we're not so sure. A mm. um, lot of mysteries with that. And there's like his premonition things coming into that, coming get into kind of weird. We're going to follow up uh, with Daneman and Mike Jeffries, especially in part two. Um, but I wanted to get into some stuff that for this episode definitely happened. Okay. And there's some opinion stuff. Uh, being that I've been kind of like throwing, you know, uh, dates and stuff at you. Uh, this part, I want to, there's, there's some debate stuff I want to get your opinion oh. on. Uh, and we're getting into legal issues that happened after he died. Oh, no. And this is kind of where it gets really sad. Um, so he died without a will. He was 27. He was a rock star. Wasn't thinking of that. Right. Yeah. You know, he was, he was, I feel like as soon as you become a rock star, have a will. I don't care how old you are. Well, it's because of stories like this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of like he suffered through it. So we don't have to. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's a story of caution, you know? Uh, so he died without a will and his estate owed a lot of back taxes. And uh, at the time of his death, he only had like $20,000 on like, well, he was only worth $20,000 in uh, 1969. Wow. So he wasn't like super rich when he died. That's. And that's, and that's kind of going back to like, that's still from the allowance. That's kind of like, just like his allowances and what he had in the bank, like maybe net worth and stuff like that. Uh, which, so that equates to about a hundred real close to $160,000 today. So, I mean, money in the bank, but not like, Hendrix money, not the money that he should be making. Exactly. You know, so then he didn't get that, that Stevie wonder thing where like, he's like, no, I'm making my money. Like Stevie wonder just, it was so much more savvy. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and I think he had other people that were other people that were looking out for him too. Like Hendricks was kind of like he came from left field and just he didn't know anybody in the music and, and industry. Stayed in left field. And he just stayed out there, but he made left field cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um one of the no, I'm not gonna come to you. You come to me. Pretty much. And he definitely did. Um so he his estate and like everything he was everything he was worth was about hundred sixty thousand dollars, like we're saying, but his estate would event his estate now is valued at $175 million today in money. Wow. All Jimi Hendrix properties and like money it's generating, $175,000. Oh, sorry, $175 million. $175,000. I might invest. I might invest. <laughs> <laughs> try to get that. No, $175 million. That is, million dollars. That's insane. Yeah. Oh, people know it too. Uh, so long story short, Al Hendricks, his father, um, uh, more or less got into, again, kind of just, it's people that just don't know. Like, even when Jimmy Hendricks was alive and got the allowance and stuff, he was kind of like a rich guy's son, if you will. That's yeah. the best metaphor I have. Yeah. It's like, daddy, can I have the allowance? And it's like, yes, here's your living stipend for the week. Don't spend it all in one place. I'm giving you your money. At the same time, though, I would probably get an accountant that I trust to do that for me anyway. So I'm not blowing all of it if I made that kind of money. Oh, if Jimi Hendrix had the money, he definitely would have. Oh, yeah. Would have fucked a lot of it up. Like he would have he would have spent it. It wasn't like a. am not saying if Jimi Hendrix had the money, he wouldn't have blown it all on like drugs and stuff because he probably would have. Yeah, he was a partier. Um, but. Uh, but these guys he at least deserved to have his money and then like not an accountant tell him how to spend his money. Yeah. And these guys weren't doing it from a place of love no, and no, like no, no. caring. It was. And it kind of goes back to like, you know, going to his dad, his dad didn't know how to handle that money. Not to mention um, he didn't like see a lot of it. Like I'm sure Hendrix maybe I think he maybe gave his dad some, but it's not like he had that money to give anyway. Cause he had his allowance. Wow. Um, it's not like Jimmy Hendrix could have like, I'm going to finally take care of my family with all this money. And I like, kind of like a dream yeah. of mine is to like, be able to like have a lot of people in my family, like retire. Yeah. Just like, I, that's a dream of mine. 100%. Um, I don't need the big house. I just want people to start enjoying life. Yes. Stop working so hard. Pretty much. They've, people that have earned it for sure. Exactly. Um, so I, I, you know, he wouldn't even had the money to do that for his father. Cause it just, you know, the $160,000 is a lot of money, but it's, it's not what he should have been making. And, uh, you know, later, so this is later on, uh, Jim, like the, he basically is these couple of guys, Leo Branton and Alan Douglas through a lot of bullshittery. It's very, very condensed, basically get the rights from Al Hendricks and get him to sign off, basically telling him it's his best move. Wow. Right. So they sw- they they swindle him. It's it's a it's bullshit. Um. So they eventually kind of like obvi- you know people like greedy people like that are eventually going to fuck up, and they did in some way that allowed uh, Jimi Hendrix's father to take them back to court and get them back. So now he controls the copyright of his son's entire record output, awesome unreleased tapes, music publishing rights, photos, films, videos, and the right to exploit Jimmy's image which I absolutely hate that wording exploit his 
yeah. Jimmy's image, but that's the way they worded it in the article. But that's the way it worded. I wonder if that's even like the legal term. Maybe, yeah. Some of these articles are written very, very badly, and especially, and I think it's in part two. I have notes even to criticize how this one article was written. <laughs> uh, so, at, and so this is all kind of happening in the nineties now. Okay. Yeah. So uh, at that point, the estate was worth $80 million is what they were fighting for. Wow. And he got it. So that's awesome. His father wanted up uh, taking control. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, go team. So, well, not for long. Oh, um, no, dude, snakes, snakes in the uh, crawling up the family tree, dude. Do you have a picture of what this, like that attorney looks like? Not the attorney, but I have some pictures I do need to show you in part two. Because, like, all I'm imagining is, like, you know, the black and white suit that's, like, not tailored very well, if at all. It's just kind of. He's car salesman lawyer. Yeah, it's, like, it's a little big on him in certain spots and tight in others. And he just has an obscene amount of what looks like just, like, bacon grease just smothered into his hair to make it slick back. You know, I applied. That's, that's who I'm picturing. I applied for a job with the young version of what you're talking about, but he was more fit. <laughs> so, side tangent. Um, we're gonna get, yeah. This gets this is this really bumps me out, especially because it's family that really, really pisses me off with Jimi Hendrix's story. Oh yeah, snakes, snakes. It's, wow. it's pisses me off. But side tangent, just to make just to lighten the mood for me. Yeah, <laughs> maybe a little greedy here. Uh, so I got laid off from this one job. I was, I was doing photos for this one company. I'm not going to say their name. Uh, it was like a low rent, like online, a TV shopping network type thing. Okay. Yeah. You know, like uh, you just got to have this topaz necklace. There's only, f- there's only, there's only five of them. I'm going to let this go for four payments of 2564, you know, like that kind of, yeah. that kind of bullshit. It's all, it's all bullshit. Um, <laughs> I worked for a low rent version of one of those that was trying to like uh, make this facade mom and pop thing so that QVC or somebody would buy them and then, um, you know, kind of parade that they were a mom and pop thing, but they're actually puppeted by QVC kind of thing. Oh. It's a facade kind of deal. Yeah. I got laid off from that place. Like they, they basically folded. It yeah. failed. Yeah. Uh, and then I needed a job. So I applied to just about anything I get my hands on. And there was this media editing job and I forget what it was for. And I go to the office. I'm in, you know, I'm in my interview clothes. I kind of look like what's his name? Tim Allen's helper from uh home improvement. Al, was it Al? <laughs> yeah. The guy in the flannel. I look like that guy pretty much. Um, at least the outfit. And, uh, so I go and I step, I go into this quote unquote office, which is, a rented room in a building, which is no shame in that. If, yeah. it's, if, it's, a, if yeah. it's an office building, multiple businesses run out of there. Uh, so I go into there and it's one of those, which I'm like, okay, whatever. And then I look at the secretary's desk, quote unquote, and it's a fold out table oh. with uh, a laptop, a Bluetooth speaker, one of those extension, like those like outlet extension things. Yeah. And basically the way everything was set up on the desk was almost that if like the IRS walked in, you could scrape everything into a box and like jump out the window and get out of there before anybody found you. Yeah. Uh, but I go in and do the interview and this, that guy is what you described sitting across the desk from me, by the way, the advertises as a media job. 
like an editing job. Wow. And then I go and I talk to this dude and, uh, you know, he's got the grease back hair and he's trying to be Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. Okay. Okay. And he's like, what do you, you know, tell me about what you could think of, you know, what you would do in sales. And I'm like, oh, this is supposed to be a media job. And then he kept telling me like, no, this is an opportunity for you to become your own entrepreneur. And like running in my head, I'm like, this sounds like a pyramid scheme. Yeah, it does. This sounds like those like knives or like makeup or special yogurt or something that I'm supposed to like enslave my family and just like buying products yeah. for me. Yeah. Uh, a limited, whatever they call it, millennial, something. Uh, he's like, you know, an opportunity for you to become your own entrepreneurship. And I was like, you're motherfuckers that sell thing in like Sam's and those carts, aren't you? <laughs> and basically just kind of like the silence said it. And I just kind of like, I'm going to go. <laughs> but he was, he was talking to me like that. What he wanted to be yeah. was uh, Matthew McConaughey's character from Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. He's just doing that, like, you know, they don't know anything about sales. You know, he's trying to do that. <laughs> and this guy was just like, nah, dude, you look like four types of weasel. Like, you look like you're going to fuck over somebody's college fund. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. that's exactly what I'm picturing. It's, it's just, you motherfucker, sell shit. Like, so you sell like the free samples at, at Sam's. The one who can buy a new shirt and it already has a stain on it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean. Uh, all right. So side tangent, just that's back to the sadness. So uh, he gets the power back of the estate. 90, Al, Al Hendricks, Jimmy Hendricks, father gets it back in 94. Uh, Al unfortunately dies in 2002, leaving everything to his stepdaughter, Janie Hendricks and wrote his son, Leon Hendricks out of the will. Wow. And I get nothing, nothing. All going to Janie, his stepdaughter. Was his son like a, I didn't think so at first, but then when I continue to read about him, maybe he was a piece of shit. Maybe Janie's a piece of shit. Maybe they're all pieces of shit. <laughs> cause, cause you know, it's like, maybe Janie was like, man, this is good for the company. And it's like, we could have left him like 5%. You could have given him a settlement. Cause that's all he wanted was all Leon wants is probably money. Yeah. But, um, now they wrote him out completely nothing. She, and uh, Leon uh, tried to fight for his 25% that he was originally going to get. Uh, but uh, not only did he lose, he was barred from working for the company. Wow. You know, now Hendrix is a company. Uh, yeah. So th- this just continues to get exploitive. Um, what the Hendrix LLC? It's something like that. It is something like Jimi Hendrix experience, something or another. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it is. A, it is a LTD or else. I think it's LTD. It's it's a proper company. Like, yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, regardless of being barred from the company, uh, uh, Leon decides to use his name anyway. Oh, OK. So it's kind of like, oh, you are a piece of shit uh, because he's putting it on. Um, he would make, he would use the iconography and he's, he's been taken to court so many times about doing this. Wow. A lot of courts, a lot of, a lot of different things. Cause he'll try to make a Hendrix theme products that are like unofficial because Janie can do it because she has all control, but Leon will try to do it. And it's like the knockoff versions basically. <laughs> and he, uh, he got a thing made that was the Jimi Hendrix theme purple haze liqueur. Um, liqueur I, I think it's liqueur of some kind uh with a replication of jimmy's signature on the bottle which is a no-no 
It's like purple haze instead of purple haze. Uh, but he would have to change Hendrix in some way. Jimmy Hendrix would have to be mm-hmm. like Hendrix with a Y. Jimmy, like Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> M-M-Y, Hendrix. <laughs> it's a different guy. Jim Hendrix. Jim Hendrix. That's more proper. Uh, he also tried to make a Jimi Hendrix weed. Um, and Leon gets like super lawyery, which I know means he's a piece of shit. So he's like, uh, Leon contends, this is a quote that, uh, limited to the use of the name Hendrix and the business and domain names and associated logo and an authentic Jimi Hendrix signature. Basically he's like, I am only using it to so much of a degree. Wow. Stay with it. No, it's, no, you're kind of an asshole. Like you're told not to do it. It's like, why don't you go make something great and get the money from that instead of leeching off of your brother? Wow. Yeah. And it's like you, uh, if Hendrix, like maybe in some way included you in that, cause in all of the stuff I read about Jimi Hendrix, Leon Hendrix never comes up. Leon Hendrix in my research never came up until I read that he went to court a couple times with Janie. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if they weren't close or he just wasn't in the picture or he just wasn't famous and he was just a normal guy. I you don't. know, I kind of in, in a troublesome like family member like that, I have also thought about this. If I ended up winning a lottery or something like that. Oh, you'd never know. You'd never know if I would, I'd go to work for six months. You'd never know. I did. Yeah. Everything well, would be peachy keen while I was setting up arrangements to continue to have nobody know. Well, I mean, there's some that like you don't even have an option. They announce your name if you win. But I think you can. I, I've seen some people accept it in like a hockey mask. Uh, they might have your name, but they don't. I mean, luckily, uh, what I go by, what my name are, two different things. Yeah. So, but I mean, that's that's one of the things that I was thinking about was like, you know, at, at the same time, I could struggle with this person that I don't trust and giving a large amount of money to, or I could give them a little bit and not have to deal with you them don't, anymore. Don't, uh, absolutely not. Cause you never, well, cause you, then they're gone. No, they won't. Like, no, they won't. Cause if you give them money, they're, they're like meerkats. They will come back. Mm. No, because you're, you're, they'll find something. You just have to like put your foot down in the beginning because there is no way you hand somebody free money. That's a piece of shit. And they're not going to resurface somewhere later. Like, Hey, I just need one more. Yeah. And I'm not, not, I've, I've never had that situation, but I've had family members that have done, I mean, I particularly, I mean, I'm doing decent, but I'm not like, yeah. Uh, so I've had family members like have done very well and there are people in their life I see and I've, I've seen how he handles it. I'm like, that's how you do it. Yeah. And he's just like, you, you know, he said, no, no, I'm not. I don't, I don't have to take care of you. Yeah, that's true. And it's like, you did nothing to help me get this. Uh, I mean, there are some people like, you know, people in my life I'm talking about, I want to help retire. Yeah. Um, yeah. hundred percent. Those people I want to help out. And though, because I want to help them out because they're not those kind of people. They would never ask me to do well, that. Well, and like, yeah, my parents. They'd be mad at me ask, actually for me doing it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Like my parents, I know that. It's also the fact that they've helped me out my entire life up life. to that, you right. know? Yeah. It's like, so uh, yeah, that's just a little payback. You being able to retire a little early. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a dream of mine and it's, and it's for the people that would never ask of it from you uh, and not looking at you like an investment. 
know? Yeah, exactly. The only investment they have is your happiness. Yeah. That's a good way to that's put the it. Only, that's the only thing they want from you is to be happy. And those are the people that you try to do everything for. Oh yeah. Uh, but nah, not the, uh, not the, the, the snakes in the grass that show up like the, the cousins you never, you never knew you had. Yeah. Uh, you'd never know. 1000%. I'd be doing the same shit every day. You'd never know. Yeah. It's like, Oh, turns out I went on ancestry.com. It's like, well, that, Hi, that I'm your distant cousin. Like, I knew, I knew you hated me two years ago and you know, I was responsible for blah, 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 but can I have $500,000? And you know, it'd be some kind of ridiculous ask. And then yeah, they will. The thing is, is like the best thing, you, the <laughs> well, probably the best thing you could do is like live your life. Like nothing changed and then be working on moving. <laughs> yeah. Move somewhere and then only tell very few people, maybe those people that you love dearly where you're going. Yeah. And then uh, not tell anybody else that you moved so they can go back to the old address. Yeah, that's true. Oh yeah. So he's just Jimi Hendrix, like in death is just, just buzzards all around him. Like, and, and the, I think it's both of them. Uh, I've got no proof on Janie, but Leon sounds like a piece of shit. And oh uh, yeah, from what we're going to find out about Janie, um, that kind of actually kind of covered my question a little bit. But the, the the second part of my question I wanted to pose to you is, um, so what are your thoughts about, okay, so, so say you're, you're Jimi Hendrix. Oh, wow. Um, or, you know, say you're Jimi Hendrix or like, you know, uh, say you had like, you know, a paralleled life or you have these, these amazing properties worth a lot of value. Um, well, let's say more like Michael Jackson. Oh, wow. Okay. Less allegations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the career of Michael Jackson diet, like Michael Jackson, where you don't have the horrible things that came. Oh, away. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you just have the career, the, the prestige and the, the, the acknowledgement of like, you were a perfectionist and you released the music you wanted to release and you didn't what you didn't. Um, and now you're sadly gone. And now your family is kind of like figuring out what to do with the estate. And, you know, once all that gets settled, what are your thoughts about uh, the Hendrix? Like if, if it was you and like, you know, kind of paralleling, paralleling it with the Hendrix estate about them continuing to capitalize on your legacy. Oh, 100%. You think you're for it? Oh yeah. So, I mean, like uh, for them, for example, they like, um, they really, they've continued. He's still releasing albums. Like he's still releasing compilations. It's all like compilations. Um, there's merchandise, drinks, guitar gear, figurines, shirts, shoes. I think, I think, um, for me, it would be like, for me with the relationship I have with my mom, we would have already talked about this. If I was in that like lifestyle, yeah, me and her would already talked about like what to do if that happened. But, uh, in a situation like that, I was like, okay, merch. Like regular, like you can buy at a local or a, you know, a gig merch for a band. Yeah. T-shirts, all, all that jazz. Yes. Uh, and then try and go cool with it. Like if you can get me a like rum brand, <laughs> awesome. You know, if you can put. As long as it's licensed official. Yeah. If you can put me in a video game, go ahead. <laughs> like, you know, like cool stuff like that. I don't really 
don't really care about uh, uh, my own brand of pot. If I was Jimi Hendrix, go for it. But so, but like, um, so the example, I, well, the reason I brought up Michael Jackson too, is that is they are milking the, the Jackson estate is just where I think it's kind of fucked up is uh, Michael Jackson. Let's, let's, let's just talk about the artist, not, yeah. not the man necessarily. Uh, was a perfectionist in what he released. Um, and then you've got, uh, like he was very, very particular about his music and the way it came out, what he did with it, how he wrote it. Very, very particular. Um, and then the Jackson estate after he died, like a year or so after he died, I forget exactly the year they release his, a fucking actual like eight track album called escape. Oh, wow. Uh, have you heard of the album? No, I haven't. Sorry for the hard P there. It's, it's, it's I, I hate what they did. Escape, just X escape. Huh? Uh, and it's mostly composed of unreleased material that, uh, he didn't like enough to put on other albums. Oh, so, uh, kind of like Kurt Cobain with the, uh, the, there was a home recording, uh, album that was released as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Just like, just stuff where he was just like, Maybe like it's the equivalent of having a notebook. Yeah, it like, was like uh, down ideas like these could become polished one day, but I wouldn't want people to hear them now. That was stuff that was like actually him recorded, like maybe in his home studio or something like that. But like demos of songs that but the like, demos, you know. So this well, isn't and new music that he didn't do anything with. Well, but, he wasn't. It just wasn't. It's not ready yet. Ah, uh, yeah. So like, so the stuff on Escape uh, or X Escape. Uh, the stuff from like, you know, the late eighties all the way up until like when he died, when he was writing music, there's a bunch of different songs from the era. So like none of them go together because some of the songs are five years apart oh, in yeah. completely different eras of Michael Jackson. The Billie Jean era of Michael Jackson is totally different from the, do you remember era of Michael Jackson? Yeah. Um, I think that's the name of the song, the one with the Eddie Murphy music video when he's like dancing for the Pharaoh. Um, remember the time. Remember the time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Great songs, both of them great songs, but they're different. One of them is in the eighties, and one of them is in like the late nineties. Um, but like he was very like he didn't release it for a reason. Like they got all the way down to maybe mixing and mastering, or maybe uh he got down to the point of, you know, okay, I've got I've written fifteen. This happens all the time in writing music. It doesn't happen so much with. Uh, us and other world because uh, we're, we're maybe if we all were put down every single song we had in our like we're each individually writing like, I know we got three I'm working on Um, we just finished one we're working on another one if we put all of those together on a board maybe we will like pick and choose which ones will go on the next EP that sound like they go together yeah and it's kind of what and Michael Jackson was just prolific with the songwriting so he would write like this is probably lowballing it. If you wanted a 10 song album, there would be 15 songs, probably more. Yeah. Fully written, performed songs to some degree of demo. And he would pick and choose which ones that he really wanted that would make the top 10. And then they go on to mixing, mastering and all that kind of stuff to be performed like they're meant to. Um, but all the songs in escape are songs that didn't make that cut. Like, oh. He deemed weren't good enough and he didn't want people to hear it because he wanted his fans to hear the best. Mm. And it's sending out all the B sides. If it was released as 
Now, I think what could be cool, actually, the Gorillas did a really cool version. I think it was called D-Sides. Because David Auburn's a prolific songwriter. Um, they released an album of B-Sides alternate cuts. But it's, it's stated like that right up front. And it wasn't an official album release. Oh, okay. So it was like a bonus yeah. thing you could get. So it was like they released an album and then maybe a year or so later just to like maybe supplement the next big album release because they were like they took a lot of time between albums. Um, the 19, 2000 and Demon Days, I think it was. So, or Demon Days to Plastic Beach. It's one of those two stretches. They released D-Sides and it was announced as this is a bonus content, basically. It's its own CD, but it's a bonus content. Yeah. Artwork we didn't use, different routes we could have taken, but it's not the main canon. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, but they, they released Escape like it was another Michael Jackson album. Like it's another official studio album. Yeah, no. That's the, bullshit. Like the one for Kurt Cobain, it was like called like, like Kurt Cobain's like home recordings, like something like that, you know? It Which was I still like, think it's fucked up because it's like reading somebody's diary. Yeah. He probably didn't let that out. I imagine he didn't let that out. Just like he probably didn't want it, his fucking diary, the thing they photo scanned. Oh, yeah. And they turn into a book. It's like, it's all his like personal thoughts and stuff. They did it with uh, Tupac too. Oh, Tupac geez. had like a diary and it's like, this is his, this is his, his personal thoughts, his brain, Tupac, uh, Cobain and all of this. Their notebooks are personal. Yeah. That's not meant for everyone to see because if you read something, you may not understand. It's not for you to understand because it's not translated from Cobain to uh, layman yet. Yeah. Uh, if it's meant to, and it's not any of your business. Jeez. It's so personal and so fucked up that people are like, I need more Cobain merch. This dead guy isn't making any more new shit for me to sell. So I'm going to find everything I possibly can and put a price tag on it. And wow. you will fucking buy it because you're thinking it's collectible. It's fucked up. Yeah. It's fucked up. And that's the same thing I think is what's happening with Jimi Hendrix. It's just got a different veneer on it. That's true. So when you release like your fourth compilation album, uh, so I, I pulled a couple. Um, uh, there's still, they had a 20, I pulled up a few releases. He died in 1970. Okay. Right? Yeah. So at most, maybe he had an album that would have come out in like 1971 of uh, posture, whatever that word, pre-written shit that he meant to record. Yeah. Let's say, let's give it 75. Maybe he would have taken till 75 to release another album if he had that material ready to go. Right? Yeah. You know, after they handled the legal stuff, whatever. Uh, and let's see. Da, 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 da. There's one called Valleys of Neptune that came out in 2010. Wow. Uh, it's a compilation album. Uh, let's see. From Rolling Stone, William Hermes found the music beautiful and exciting. Uh, are the tracks finished as Hendrix would have intended? Probably not. But as a glimpse of a guitarist extending his reach beyond the experience trio is thrilling. Those that review pops up all the time. Both sides of the sky released March 9th, 2018. Wow. 
uh, a 13-track album, including 10 previously unreleased recordings that were recorded with either Jimi Hendrix Experience or the Band of Gypsy lineups. So it's just anything they can find. Anything wow. they can find. Um, then most recent one, 2020, live in Maui. Uh, it's a live performance of them in fucking Maui. <laughs> no new material. It's all shit you've heard before with a different backdrop. Wow. That'll be $30, please. Yeah. <laughs> it's bullshit. Um, there's nothing new in the performance and it's mostly just like standards and stuff. It's not like, Hey, this is the first time we're going to play this song. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, like Foxy lady and their standards. Um, let's see. Yeah. Basically I, I think they'd sell every second of his life if they could. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe doing like a, I do like the remastered, like best ofs. That's different. On certain bands, you know, you're taking the songs that were recorded and you're remixing them, you know? And I think there's some justification in that, but it's all like, there's justification in that, but like, it's what you just said. It's announced as a best of. It's not, it's not said like, this is unreleased material. They're getting into demos. They're digging up shit that he did like in one-off performances and radio things. And wow. they're releasing it as compilation albums. And they're saying like, here's five songs you've bought 10 times over. And here's three more you didn't have before. You know, I feel like the only good way to go about that is charity. The century anniversary. Of Jimi Hendrix. Well, it'll be a while because it's only the 50th, I think. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's enough time to be like, here is like. The family to sit back and think about how fucking greedy they're being. And the, 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 here's like all of the stuff like just that all of what he could have released if he was still here and could have made better. But it, he, he's not. But like. I feel like that's enough time to go back and be like, okay, here are the demos. I, I will. If they released them just as like, I suppose you could say like to like, do the home recordings thing. At least. Yeah. Maybe if, if it's, if it's announced as like a demo thing for like exclusive recorders and stuff like that, but it's to make money. I mean, I'm not this. There's two ways you can look at that where it's like, well, maybe he wanted to have taken care of his family. And it's like, well, why can't they fucking, make their own goddamn money. Yeah. Uh, It's he didn't have this money to give them in the fucking first place. He had a hundred ish thousand dollars to his name that he was trying to live on, which is, it means a lot, but I mean, he was a rock star. Um, It's not like he had this $80 million to give them. So it's just, it's not, it's, it's not theirs. It's what it collected value after he died. And it's certainly collected value after he died. Wow. Because it's one of those, like, you're not famous to your dead things. And it's unfortunately what happened with Hendrix. You know, suddenly it's, it's got this mystique behind it because he was a beautiful artist that died young. I still think 100% that Jimi Hendrix, I think even maybe would have been worth more alive. And I think he could have gone like Michael Jackson route and got just so many top hits if he had the chance to continue good on. lawyers from the beginning. You know, I think his like his struggling is probably what fueled his art in the beginning because he came from like being pretty, pretty dirt fucking poor. 
Yeah. Uh, dropped out of like high school and stuff. He actually was in the military for a hot minute. It's a paratrooper huh. for a while. Uh, he was honorably discharged though for like a wound. Oh, like he, okay. he landed and he fucked up his leg, but he was honorably discharged. Um, so like he, I, I think he just, he just had a pretty rough go of it, which definitely probably fueled. He had some demons. I'm sure. Like I heard he was a different person when he drank. Oh, uh, from the, from the ratings and stuff like that. I mean, he certainly had his demons and I'm sure, I mean, this is kind of stuff that helps fuel his art. So I think I'd like to think like, I mean, to, to be the Jimi Hendrix, we know he probably had to do a lot of this shit that he went through to continue to like be the artist that we thought my hopes are is at some point he would have said, fuck Jeffries or Jeffrey gotten a real lawyer that like had Maybe not. You didn't even have to have a lawyer that has your best intent, uh, uh, interest in mind. At least one that wants to make the investment in you to make as much money for them as possible within the legal realm. Yeah. Like not shipping your money offshore to other bank accounts, which allegedly Jeffries did. Wow. Uh, you know, they just want to make a lot of money. And it's like, okay, help me make a lot of money and I will make you a lot of money. Yeah. But I mean, also get smart and know how much you're supposed to be pulling out. How much you're supposed to be making versus how what percentage they're supposed to be making. Exactly. So my hopes are, I think, like what I was would have hoped would have happened is that he would have, he still had the time. He was 27. Yeah, still had the time to like get past uh, Jeffries, find a good guy, and then like yeah, blow up like Michael Jackson. Yeah, I think he could have honestly. Yeah, he would have been uh, he would have been alive at the same time. Wow. Yeah, he would have been yeah. Born in the forties, so he'd be. He would be, eighty-two. Actually, his age is something that's going to play into uh, a conspiracy theory of one of the one of my favorite ones I've heard about. Hell yeah! In part two. Uh, so yeah, this uh, this episode is. I really, I really wanted to get your opinion on that because my my thoughts are like. You have to have a definite will about, if you get to a point like I mean. If you're lucky, to go to the point where you write a will with the determines to happen to your millions of dollars of estate. Oh, yeah. Um, which would be a very uh, a good problem to have, I suppose. But uh, I don't know. Like, I think maybe the merchandise I'd be cool with, uh, like the shirts and yeah. shoes. I mean, a little iffy. Maybe a beer. I'd be cool if somebody had a beer. Yeah. Uh, put I would as a villain in the next uh, I, brutal axe. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be. Uh, I wouldn't want it to have like the Tyler Lindsay. Uh, Amber stout, blah, blah, blah. and I know I would I'd prefer it be like something. The title of something I've made cleverly worked into what kind of beer yeah. it was because I don't want I don't like I don't know. I like this stuff to have its own name. It doesn't need to be called the the Ty Lindsay thing. I don't know. I'd, I'd prefer it have its own name. Yeah, like a, a Yeti Stout. Yeti Stout. There you go. Like uh, IPAs are gross, but you know Yeti Stout or like a Yeti. Yeah, Yeti Stout. Let's go with the Stout. <laughs> Yeah, tracks of the Eddie Stout or something like that. Like, you know. Yeah. That'd be fun. But uh yeah, so any thoughts? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of like the me wrapping up um uh, I, I think so, but oh to close that out, uh, feel not the recordings. Okay. If I have stuff I haven't released, it's because I don't want it out. Uh uh, maybe in years you can release them as like specifically like demo tapes and release them to like people studying music or something, find some way to do it. That makes sense. Or maybe if you're going to release it, wait a while and then release it and then donate a, a considerable amount to charity. If like, if you're going to show people my C minus work 
you know, my D plus efforts. Yeah. Uh, you're going to donate some of that fucking money to charity and we're going to get some good out of it. Cause I didn't want you to see that shit in the first place. Yeah. I'm very critical about the things I make everything. And if it's not a hundred percent, it's not getting released. I have to force myself to release things sometimes. Yeah. That music video for us, uh, waters Awake took me six months because <laughs> yeah. I, I, you put a lot of work into that and the acting, but in the edit bay of that, it was brutal. And then towards the end of it, I, I kept wanting to change things. And eventually I was like, no, you fucking release this or you're going to go mad. Yeah. So very, very, very hard for me to release things that I think are unpolished. I, it might be controversial, but I think I'm the opposite. I'm really? like, if I'm dead, I'm dead. I don't care. Release a, a homemade or homebrew all of my demos, unreleased music. I mean, take a page of lyrics I wrote and make into a song yourself. I don't care. <laughs> Maybe that's how he would have thought of it. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't like the way it was done, I suppose. Yeah. There's, a, there's a whole website. They're still milking it, man. It's like her job is to be the proprietor of Jimi Hendrix bullshit. Like, Well, I also think it's all about like intentions. And I think it's a lot different if it's like, for those of you who loved this person, I want you to have a little bit more insight into like, that's not bad, you know, yeah, that's not bad. but if it's literally just a money grab, which it seemed like it was, then yeah, I'm not good with that. Yeah. So that, that kind of wraps up. Uh, I do want one. to make a guess. A prediction. Yes. Uh, well, it'd be very, uh, very apt for you too, because there's a lot of predictions in part two. Um, there's uh, getting into the conspiracies that I love. Yes. All right. Um, what do you got? Yeah. I, I'm completely blanking now. I had one, but we, doesn't that suck? Like you're oh ready, like you've God. got it ready to go. And you just, I, yeah. I, I'm choking so hard. Um, shit. Prediction. I will about. make that prediction in the beginning of episode two. Okay. Okay. Uh, so that kind of wraps up part one. Thank you so much for listening to that. I know that's got kind of a bummer towards the end. Sorry for the rant, but I just, I, I feel, I really don't like it when families turn on each other. Like yeah. they get like super greedy because there's money involved. Like just if they just smack like, them around. Yeah. Like, and I, and I don't know all of the ins and outs of it. So I'm not going to, like, I don't, I don't know any of these people personally from what I read. That's what it feels like. Yeah. It's the best way I can put it. So I would love to be proven wrong. And if she's just this really, really nice person that has his best intentions in mind, God bless her. Yeah. Uh, I, I would, I'm asking to be wrong. I <laughs> want to know. be wrong. Let us know if you got more information that we didn't exactly get right. You can always tell us on, uh, yeah. on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, I just, I just think compli- like re- continuously releasing compilation albums. Like if you really wanted to release it, just release the shit we've never heard before, but you're yeah. not. Yeah. Padding it out with other bullshit. Yeah. Like, uh, it's that doesn't, it doesn't, if you think, if when you think about it like that, it doesn't look good. No, it doesn't. It's a bad look. Do a Batman 50th anniversary type thing where you release it all at once instead of, uh, you know, intermingling it so you can just stretch it for years. Or you could do like the Lord of the, well, Lord of the Rings is a little different, but like the, the four hour cuts movie they keep releasing. Oh, every- God. Every couple of years. Oh man, I can't wait. 
I think it's on HBO. I got, I, I am going to watch all three one day. I'm going to take a day off work. Oh my God. I want to watch it so bad. I want to watch the, the extended cuts so bad. Cause I have, I've only watched the original cuts, not the extended one. Yeah. I haven't either. No, sorry. Different, different side chance. Anyway. Okay. So now we're at the end of the show announcements we talked about earlier. Um, so thank you everybody again for over a thousand downloads and we, to, to celebrate that we're doing a giveaway. Yes. So, uh, you get, we have two shirt designs that we'll have available. We're going to have, uh, stickers and I believe we're going to go with, if we can make it work like a mug. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we're going to try it like, uh, I believe we've got a mug we're going to be able to do. So you can pick one of two shirts. Um, and what were those shirts? It was the order of the underbite and order of the underbite and like the logo shirt. Okay. Yeah. So those, I got to get the, 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 them set up on the website officially because the website's close to being done. Um, so I got to get, you're going to have one of those two shirts you can pick from. Uh, we're going to just, just send you some stickers and then a, uh, a coffee mug. Nice. Uh, no, nice. should be that. Like it's a, uh, we'll have it mailed out to you. Um, it'll be, have like the logo and some stuff on it. And then, oh, and then an autographed picture of Ziggy. Yes. Yes. Is this autographed by Ziggy? Autographed by Ziggy. Yes. Uh, our cult or cult leader. She insisted. <laughs> you can find her on Ziggy Smalls <laughs> on Instagram. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Uh, she insisted to be part of the giveaway. So that's, that's the full on grand prize. And to get, to get a, uh, an entry, you have to follow us on Instagram, share the giveaway post. And in the comments, tell us your favorite quote from the show. Uh, okay. Your favorite quote that you've heard from the show. So you have to follow us on Instagram, share the giveaway post, and in the comments, tell us what your favorite quote is from the show. You know, something Joe said, something I said, a quote from somebody inspirational. Yes. As long as it happened in the episode. And that is... Phantom Jukebox Podcast is our Instagram, just in case you have forgotten, have not followed us yet. You yes. got to, you got to, to win this, to win a, a picture of Ziggy autographed. Don't, don't stare too hard into her eyes. You might get lured into the cult. That's how we started. For additional entries, there's two things you can do. The first is leave a review on uh, Spotify, uh, a review on Apple, Apple Podcasts. Okay. Uh, and take a screenshot and share that on Instagram, tag us, uh, and tag a friend who may like the show, screenshot that as well. Okay. So tag a friend who may like the show and then, uh, take a screenshot of your review on Instagram, on, uh, on Apple podcast posted on Instagram. And trust me, we are not favoring those of people who have, uh, Apple phones because it turns out I can get on Apple podcasts on my Android phone. It works. Yeah. Uh, so that's just the one I know that does reviews. Yes. Um, uh, I think that's the easiest one. I think we'll go with that one. Um, good pods, maybe. And I think Podbean might. Okay. So I think if those, those two, I think, but I know Apple podcasts for sure. Spotify doesn't have a written comment section yet, uh, but you can review it, but we, we want, uh, we want actual typed out. Okay. okay. So those are your options for additional you know, for additional entries and, um, uh, we have a due date. Uh, we will have most more of that on, uh, in the post that comes out. Okay. Awesome. So, uh, 
again, uh, so that wraps up for us on the show. Oh, real quick, I all do want to give uh, blah, 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 blah. Want to shout out our friend podcast again. My notes should have got it before. Uh, Super fan cast, <laughs> check them out. Check out Designated Quid- uh, Quizzers. Very, very fun shows. Uh, the co- Quizzers covers everything. The, yeah. the, the, the trivia is the trivia show. It's really, really fun. They take shots. Uh, they have punishment shots too. Like if they get one wrong, they had one that was like pickle juice, Hershey's and whipped cream. Oh, wow. Yeah. They, they go hard on like the, Oh no, you don't want to drink this. It's not like, I don't like this flavor of booze. It's no, it's something nasty. They cooked up in the kitchen. Okay. They take, they they take their shots. I'm down. Yeah. They're fun. So uh, thanks everyone for listening to part one. Uh, Please check out part two coming out later this month. Um, the uh, show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, uh, Podbean, uh, uh, Good Pods. You can check it out on any of your major streamers. Uh, Pandora is a recent one for us, but yes. we're there. Everywhere you can leave five stars, you know, please leave us a review. And if you can write a review, please write a review. It really helps us out, especially on Apple. Uh, we're uh, really trying to grow the show in many different ways. There's a lot of live stuff we want to do. Um, oh, yeah. And you guys open the door for us to be weird. So expect that. Yes. Soon too. Yes. Thank you. Uh, I knew I think, we could trust you guys. I knew it. I haven't picked what the first live stream episode is going to be about, but I'm feeling cults. Yeah. I'm feeling cults of some kind. Like I'm gonna, always feeling culty. We're going to do a live, like we're, we're going to do a live stream, but we're, uh, we have, let's just say we're working on a space. Yes. Just say we're working on a space before we get that going. But uh, yeah, if you give five, give us five stars and uh, you know, leave a review, it would really, really help us out. Yes, most definitely. And if you could also give us a follow on our Twitter page, which is Phantom Jukebox underscore, our Facebook, uh, which is Phantom Jukebox, and Instagram, which is Phantom Jukebox Podcast. And Instagram is the one that you need to follow and like to get the, uh, the entries. The entries into the contest. Yes. We're very, very excited to see who wins the shirt. I'm definitely just getting stickers for me. Oh, yeah. So we're, basically, like, when you get the mug, just know that we are all going to have the same mug. So every time you drink of it, drink it from the mug, it's like we're all drinking under the same moon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, thank you, Joe, for being part of the episode. This is, this thank is you, a- Ty, for doing all the research and make <laughs> just let me come sit on the other side of this table and just make jokes about things. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it definitely makes it more enjoyable for, for sure <laughs> i this is this is one this is a doozy to research especially like his last day it was brutal um so also i want to thank uh kenny grooms for his amazing work on the theme song it sounds yes awesome. actual wizard actual audio wizard kenny grooms uh also are the super hard work of our producer 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 dakota yes. producer uh, she's done to- a lot of great work on the social medias. She's been making the in between. Did you know videos uh, on like uh, TikTok and Instagram, all that. Yeah. It's kind of hold you over till the next episode comes out. I love the extra content. Yes. It's, it's it never would have thought about that. And it's such a cool thing to have. Uh, and again, want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, really appreciate you giving us your time. Yeah. You learned something new. And, um, We're going down a completely different road, part two. So until next time, on part two.
of Jimi Hendrix experience. Just keep like slowly talking, let the words get <laughs> further and further apart. So until next time. And part two. <laughs>